1: What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh. Rebel Radio
0: is going down. would you say, Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel
1: Radio.
0: What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm your host Josh Levine. We are fresh off our second ever Amp Music Summit. If you uh, if you listen to this show, I know you've heard me talk about it. We launched the Amp Summit back in May um, to focus on creative entrepreneurs, people in inside and outside the music industry who are. Pivoting, innovating, experimenting, learning, challenging themselves to do something different in the face of COVID, in the face of racial justice, uh, and and, or issues related to racial justice and and inequality. Um, So, we had the the second ever summit last week. We had 10 talks, and they are showing up on the ampmusicsummit.com website, along with the talks from our our first summit. I think there's something close to 30 talks in total if you want to hear. Um, some thought leaders some people that are are out there doing it go get that let's get into this week's episode this week i'm chatting over facetime with felix Yane. i hope i said his name right Uh, felix is a german house dj you might know him from his uh, 2014 remix for cheerleader which was a huge global success he's got a new record out called sicko and um He's he's doing great things. We have a, a I think a great conversation. He talks a lot about uh, some mental health challenges that that he's been through. Um, at the beginning of this year, he went to a Buddhist monastery and spent a bunch of time meditating. Um, you know, getting in some insight into himself and his process and all that. And he shares some of the tools and and things he learned along the way. It's great lessons for all of us. It's it's about letting go of expectation really learning to enjoy the process. Those are things that we all can benefit from. So uh, I hope you'll dig it. Let's get into the interview right now.
1: Yeah, perfect.
0: Well, thanks man, it's great to meet you. I appreciate you uh, making time.
1: Of course, nice to meet you, too. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, cool, man. Uh, I really like everything you're doing. I know you got some big things coming up, and so I'm excited to talk about that. Um, uh, If you don't mind, though, I always like to start at the beginning. So uh, Mm -hmm. can you do you remember the first record you ever bought?
1: The first record I ever bought? um, It's probably Curtain Call Eminem. Okay yeah I listened to a lot of Eminem and 50 cent when I was like 10 11 sure. 12 probably yeah those were like the first albums I bought um and then I got into dance music, like later when I was like fifteen, sixteen, and mm-hmm. started going out to parties and starting getting into DJing. That's when I heard like electronic music, yeah, and rediscovered re-disc- like, it. Really, one of the first records I bought there was um, Seek Bromance by Tim Berkley, which is okay. basically Avicii, yeah. like under his like first project. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I think I think a lot of I hear a lot of stories that people kind of start with hip hop and then okay. uh you know i think i think dance music is more we, you know i don't know i think it's more when you're a teenager and you start getting interested in clubbing and festivals and you know yeah, partying a bit uh where that, that sure, starts come sure. around how did you um who who introduced you to to djing and and producing how do you how'd that happen because you grew up playing music right
1: yeah, I played the violin as a kid. when I started when I was like six years old. Wow. And then like all the DJing and production, I basically just taught myself in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I started with a couple of friends and one of my brothers. We made like a team. Nice. and we would dj at birthday parties when we were like 15 16 and so we cool. bought like we bought like speakers and everything and we were like we're we gonna set your party up with some music yeah. and our speakers." And For sure. so we did that and we just like watched tutorials online and just tried stuff i would like come home from school and just practice mixing and mm. um, do it non-stop so i pretty much Taught everything myself in the end, but then after finishing high school in Germany, I moved to London for a year to go to a college nice. um, called Point Blank, and I actually studied like sound design and music oh, cool. composition and music business and all of this uh, like a lot of stuff over there.
0: So, how do what do you think about you know? Obviously, Germany has a, a rich music history and and you know has its own sound, and then London is is very different. Um, can you feel the effects now in your music from having lived in London?
1: Uh, for sure, yeah, especially in the beginning, like when I moved there and in Germany, everyone was still all about dubstep at that right. time. It was 2012. Sure. And in London, they had kind of moved on to more deep and chill house vibes. Mm. So that's how I got into like deep house and, and chilled vibes. And yeah. then I kind of combined that with my own taste and my like classical education. Mm -hmm. And kind of started making house tracks with real instruments involved and kind of started to, like, find my own sound. And it was definitely a lot influenced by the UK house scene then. Mm -hmm. And actually right now I notice that I'm more and more leaning towards that again, like Mm -hmm. Return and James Hype, MK, Jax Mm -hmm. Jones, all those are acts that excite me and, like, Medusa, for example, they're from Italy, but I feel they have a really UK sound. Sure. And everything that's like UK vibey right now, I, I really love it and I play it in my sets and I can see myself getting back to London at some point actually.
0: what um so what was the um, what was the experience of kind of finding your sound you know you talk about this sort of evolution of that and and you're putting music Mm -hmm. out right and you're getting or you're playing and you're getting feedback like was there ever um like you said you know dubstep was really popular in germany at the time Mm -hmm. but that's not what you were playing so were you getting you know pushback from people like that you know that thought you should have been playing dubstep or was it did you find people really receptive kind of from the beginning
1: um a bit of both like when i started out i was playing at student nights and i would play from 10 p.m to 5 a.m uh-huh. so i had to i had to keep the crowd happy and, sure. and play a bit of everything and um, so I was kind of open for, for all genres and I kind of knew what was going on in all worlds a little bit. Yeah. But then I think it was the, the development from being like a resident party DJ to actually being an artist mm-hmm. um, with his own vibe and sound. Yeah. And that happened through production, like just me in the studio making what I like and what I enjoy doing. And then from time to time, people would know the tracks that I was putting out. So they kind of knew what to expect at my shows as well. And they started buying tickets to see me. And then I think that's where the difference happens. You know, I'm not longer a party DJ that needs to read the crowd. What do I have to play tonight to make people dance? I'm like, they're here to dance. They're here to hear what I want to play. So it it changed everything, having my own productions.
0: So was there a moment when you realized that this was your your career and this was kind that it was sort of starting to work
1: um there were several like Mm. when i was living in london still i was just 18 years old and i managed to get opening slots at ministry of sound in pasha in london and uh, back then like i was selling tickets to get the slots so i was like a student and i sent out like mixtapes Uh, i still made cds i was walking through london and just handing everybody my cd emailing like 200 promoters a day And they like one time they replied, they were like, oh, we like your mix. It actually sounds cool. Can you sell 50 tickets at your college and you can have the opening slot? I was like, I'll do it. (laughs) So I took the 50 tickets and I I forced all my friends to come (laughs) and and, and it worked out. In the end, they booked me again. (laughs) So it was cool. That's cool. You know, that was that was the early days. And then I think like on a bigger scale in 2014 i signed a publishing deal Mm -hmm. and the advance was big enough for me to live off it for quite a while so i was like okay now it's actually a profession i can make money with this and you know i can fully focus on music and just keep doing what i love
0: nice what is it about uh i mean i love that story that you know it's it's a hustle right you're 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 getting you know you're getting parties at school you get you're selling tickets like you're kind of an entrepreneur as much as you're a musician at that point, right? Um, For sure. Yeah. What is it from those days that you still use today?
1: Um, I think it's the drive and the commitment. It's like I had a vision, you know, I knew I wanted to be a big DJ. I I could picture myself standing on big stages, playing my songs. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to try and just do my best and work hard Mm. every day and just Just go for it. And I think it's really important to have that vision to know where you want to go, what you want to do, um, and then just just do it. Because the rest is just learning by doing anyway. In every situation, every day is different. But Mm -hmm. as long as you know what you're doing it for and what you want, um, I think that's something I try to remind myself a lot. And actually, just recently, I started to work with a young DJ who is now 19 years old himself. Oh, cool. And I'm kind of like mentoring him and helping him out with his music and stuff. And like he has that fresh energy I used to have when I was 18, 19. And it's now reminding me of those days. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's nice to keep that close to me. You know, you yeah, have to have sure. that young energy and remind myself that there was a day where I was like blown away by 50 new Facebook likes, you know, and I was like, wow, so many people discovered me today, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, it's like, just never forget where I'm coming from, I guess.
0: I mean, I think it's so important to be able to re recapture that. Right. Cause, uh, mm-hmm. cause the bar keeps moving. Definitely. Right? And, yeah. And so when you get 50 new Facebook likes, it, you know, that doesn't mean anything. So, you, you know, it's, it's, it's that harder to find, um, find those things that are really meaningful.
1: Um it, it's gotten easier for me again now but there definitely was a time where I was like kind of used to the success and also like I started with my two biggest hits right away like mm-hmm. Cheerleader remix was my first like chart success ever I think that I found myself a cheerleader she is always
0: right there when i need her oh i think that i found myself a cheerleader
1: and it went number one in 55 countries. And I don't right. know if I can ever repeat that again. You know, that's like, that's history. I'm not sure if I can do that again. Right, um, right. But of course, like on like some level, I was kind of expecting every song to go like that. So yeah. it was it was really hard to also be happy with the top 100 records, you know, which right, is right. still amazing. Or like a top 10, I was like, yeah, but it didn't go number one. But yeah, of course not. Not everybody, like not every song goes number one all the time. Um, But this was like, I guess, in the first two years after cheerleader, Mm -hmm. where I was like, kind of, I didn't even know what was happening. And I was like, in this crazy world, just following. And now I'm kind of in a state of mind where I'm like, grateful for everything, you know, so like, even one person listening to my song right now, somewhere around the world means so much to me. So it's like, I try to, you know, just be grateful for everything.
0: So how does how does that happen? I mean, first of all, uh, take me back to the moment when uh, cheerleaders blowing up, and mm-hmm. you know, as you said, you're you're still new in your career. I'm sure you weren't expecting that to happen. Um,
1: no. <laughs> so, so, like,
0: what's what's going through your mind, and and what do you do? You know, the next day, like how do how do things change for
1: you? it's been crazy like i was actually in berlin with my manager on a way to a meeting to sign that publishing deal i told mm, you about yeah and on our way to the meeting um we got a call and it's like yo you're top 10 on the swedish single charts i'm like which song yeah. <laughs> it's like oh that cheerleader remix you did like half a year ago i was like yeah. really <laughs> that's crazy it like because it was out for so long already and nothing happened and sure. i was just like wait that song is now growing it's- And I didn't even know what it means to have a hit back then, you know, it was in Sweden, it was so far away from me, because I haven't been, that I didn't really understand it. I think the first time I really understood that, like, this song was blowing was when I went to Sweden, like, three months later for a little tour, Mm. and I saw people, like, at the show singing along to the song, and... Like when I played the song, suddenly everybody was coming inside, like all the smokers that were outside were like, oh, the song is finally playing. Oh, and cool. I was like, wait, they actually know the song. <laughs> it's like, that's what a hit is. You yeah. know? I can tell they like it. <laughs> Amazing. So I, I kind of had to see with my own eyes and, and go to a place where it actually was a hit because in my home, Germany, it became a hit like four months later or something like mm-hmm. that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So at first I had to go to Sweden to understand
0: Wow. Um, and, you know, you kind of talked about it, but I imagine it's really hard when when then all of a sudden you have this expectation, right? And you go, mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, I want to talk through the journey because I think it's really interesting thing that musicians go through from you doing it with your friends as a hobby, as a social thing. Maybe there's a little money involved. You start to have this vision, but it's still really far away. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Now you're a professional musician and then a successful one and, and all of that and I think, um, uh, you know it, I think it's interesting to understand how that affects your your creativity, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what it's like, you know, and it, what it's like walking into the studio, you know, after that type of success versus what it was like when you just were messing around. And how do you how do yeah. you? See the, are you ever able to get yeah. back to, to just messing around?
1: I did now, finally. Yeah. Like, that's a great question because now I've been at home for seven weeks because yeah. um, of the shutdown, obviously. Yeah. And I, I think I did a tweet the other day actually saying, like, I feel like it's 2014 again before I started traveling the world with my sure. music because I'm like at home every day. I have a home studio. And of course, now I do more press, I do more interviews, I have my social media going and everything, but yeah. I have so much time right now, just simply because I don't travel, that I'm in the studio again, like watching tutorials, learning new things, messing around. I actually just made a remix for my own single, Sicko, um, uh-huh. because like, I had time, I was like, let me just try to give it a new spin. i brought the marimba back which was like my signature sound in 2014-15 i used it a lot Mm. and then i didn't want to use it anymore because i was like nah i kind of want to develop and move on with my sound and now i'm like i'm feeling 2014 vibes again so i'm bringing it back so like i just had that time now like in the first years and especially while touring it's kind of hard to be creative for me because it's a diff- completely different mindset. Like, I'm worried about the flights, or if the show goes well, like, I'm always nervous and yeah. not really in a free creative flow. So what, what I did is, like, take out two, three weeks for studio time mm. and say, like, okay, like, for two weeks, I won't be available. Kind of like a vacation of, like, being an artist in, like, marketing sense and mm-hmm. then just be in the studio for two, two weeks, don't take any calls, I do like writing camps. I meet up with singer and songwriters to write the songs. And, nice. Um, I, I have like my little islands in my calendar where I can go to and just be creative.
0: Yeah, that's big. Um, yeah. And so last year you went to a Buddhist monastery. Is that is that right?
1: Yeah, it was uh, this year actually in January oh, okay. um, for two weeks. Um, so it's pretty recent. Uh, and it was cool. I really, really liked it. Um basically we've been meditating all day. Yeah. There were also some Dharma talks about the Buddhist teaching and some communal meals of course and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um but most of it was like meditating and what they call watering the good seeds. Mm. So it's like about it's about focusing on the good. It's a lot of it has to do with gratitude for the little things. Like I would sometimes just sit outside for an hour and be grateful for the sun like warming us all or stuff like that, you know Amazing. like really basic nature things um and just feel that like pure happiness um doing that so and it kind of changed everything in a way, yeah,
0: yeah, I bet um I'm interested to know more about that but what what led you to that i, I you know I've read a bit about you and you've talked about you know, mental health challenges.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you know, we're talking about the expectations that you put on yourself or that uh, that you feel from the outside world. So tell me a little bit about kind of what what that was like and kind of what led you to go to a monastery and, and take that time for yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. So like throughout the past, three, four years, there were many moments where I didn't feel well, yeah. um, just mentally, yeah. like I had a lot of anxiety, I had times with a lot of panic attacks, like, so sometimes I wouldn't even leave my home anymore. I oh, wow. Like, I wouldn't even go to the supermarket because I was afraid that it might happen again. Yeah. So I was like, wait, here's like me, 22 years old, you know, I, I'm successful, everybody loves me, I've made enough money, I have a beautiful home. But... I'm still not happy, like, what's wrong with me, you know? Yeah. And I started to ask a lot of questions and just um, try to find answers and mm. meditating and just kind of looking inside and getting to know myself better. I also, like, mentally traveled a lot through my childhood. Mm. I did um, hypnotherapy, which was quite fun. So sure. it's, like, basically, like, a mental coach that works with hypnosis. Um and I did a lot just to get to know myself better, and what's triggering me, and understand my emotions, and um, kind of deal with everything that happened. And that just led me to be free and and happy. And uh, yeah, nice. I, that's it. Just free and happy. <laughs> yeah.
0: And and were you were you kind of figuring that out on your own, or do you um, you you know was it, did you have somebody to kind of help you through that?
1: I started like four years ago with an app called Headspace. It yeah, was yeah. the first one that I tried. That's like Love explaining Headspace. the basics of meditation quite well. So especially if you're a beginner and you want to get into it, I think it's it's really cool. And now I also have Calm and I use the Plum Village app a lot. That's mm. the monastery I went to. They offer one too, which is dope. Oh, cool. Um, and then I had a like a mental coach for two years as well. Um that helped me like just by talking to me and giving advice and leading me like through the process um, and then I found that monastery, I guess which was like the the final key to to my spiritual journey because it was just like really intense, you know just for two weeks with like wow. I didn't have my phone on for two weeks like I was completely offline only with the people there and you talk a lot also with the other people that are coming to the monastery and it's Mm -hmm. just a really like healing community. Um, So that's been fun. I loved it.
0: That's great. Um, And so uh, how is it different now going into the studio? Kind of having been through that
1: experience. I kind of like, especially now like having made like my, private journey it made it a lot easier when writing the songs because even though i'm dj producer and i don't sing myself i started for this project to also co-write all the lyrics because i was like a lot looking for purpose as well on my Mm. journey and i was like i want to use my music um to speak to people and and entertain of course i'm a dj i want everybody to have a good time but also to put in some like lyrical depth that i think is important nice um so that's been finally possible now because before i was a bit scared even of going into writing sessions and sharing my my thoughts and my feelings with strangers and putting yeah. it into a song you know it's uh, it's quite rare sometimes that you find like a room of people with, like three four people you never met them before but you talk about your like inner emotions and trying sure. to put it into a song so it's it's it can be really nice but when you're insecure and and anxious it's not a nice place to be in no, of course. you know so yeah. it it opened up the doors for to songwriting for me a lot <laughs> That's and great. now i also try to focus less on okay i have to make another hit or something i'm just like i just have to do what i want to do you know i'm mm-hmm. just in the studio and i'm trying to make something that i like and that i feel and like before, if I feel it, hopefully a lot of other people will feel it too.
0: Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I love. There's a quote that I read of yours that I really liked that said, "You only have a chance if you fight for your dreams." Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, what what does that fight look like for you? Um, and and has that, have you always known that, or were there times when you'd kind of wish that you had fought or that you had fought differently?
1: Oh, that's a very big question. <laughs> um, well, where do I start? Well, I guess, what, it, what does it first, look like now first,
0: to, to fight for your dreams?
1: Like, yeah, first I think we have to de- define the word fight in a way because fight is usually a quite aggressive thing that sure. involves a lot of cruelty. And I feel like um, I probably... I mean, the word still works, but I think you got to be careful with it a bit, a little bit, that people understand it right, yeah. because it's not like when fighting for my dream, it's not like I'm fighting anybody else. The only mm-hmm. person I might be fighting is is myself, and yeah. um, the way I'm slowing myself down and stopping myself with like doubts, for example. Um, so I think it's really about having a vision and committing to it. And then, just going for it, even if it might not be easy at all times, you know, just like stick to the plan, yeah, as long as I know like what I'm in for and what my goal is. I have a long term plan, um just keep doing it, mm-hmm. and then there's a lot, of course, with like expectations from family, from your like social surroundings and stuff, because of course, there were times as well where people like said come on, this is not a real job, you're just doing music. When are you gonna go to uni? When are you gonna learn something proper, you know? Mm. Um, so it's also like believing in yourself no matter like what people say around you. I mm. think that's another really important thing when, when fighting for your dreams. Um, and then one thing where maybe I like sometimes I wish I had fought for myself harder, faster like earlier is my sexuality. Mm. I came out as bisexual publicly in 2018, mm-hmm. but I was already, like, famous by then for three years that <laughs> I kept it a secret. Wow. And it wasn't really easy at all times because I would go into interviews, people asking me about my relationships and stuff, and I, I couldn't really tell the whole story. Sure. Um, which, And therefore, I was just, like, making myself suffer, you know, because there was no reason for keeping it a secret other yeah. than me being insecure and by being insecure, but being put on the spot like that all the time, um, I kind of made myself suffer more, but on the other hand, you know, I don't want to blame my old me, you know, it's, I just needed time and of I came around eventually. So it's, it's all good now.
0: I mean, you know, that's never easy. Um, you know, I have friends who, who have come out and, and it's, I think, especially not easy when you're famous. Um, yeah what what surprised you about people's reactions
1: that it wasn't an issue at all <laughs> like <laughs> at least like for me being like living in germany and um having the surrounding that i had, like yeah. everybody was so supportive and positive and it didn't even seem to be a big issue and i was just making it one myself in my head like for sure. years and years and years growing up but then when i told my family when i told my friends and also when i told the public like the response was like i i'd say 99 out of 100 comments were positive yeah so it was it was amazing i was actually really happy to see that yeah. that um there's a lot of people just being open and acceptive already
0: sure yeah, and that's why, I, that's why I brought up the quote about fighting because, you know, I think it really shows the first fight is always inside of us.
1: Yeah, and, for And, sure.
0: you know, most people are much easier on us than we are on ourselves. And, I, and mm-hmm. I love, you know, what you said, that there are different, you know, on some level, everything's a fight, but that doesn't have to mm-hmm. be cruel. Yeah. Right? there there's that fight to to um to get out of your own way right and to kind of let you be yourself whether that's uh whether that's your creative expression your sexuality it doesn't mm-hmm. matter like we all have those mm-hmm. things you know every every single one of us has something that we're afraid to confront or afraid to share with other people or afraid yeah. to be judged on and um and I think you know you bring up like Putting music out and being judged on that is scary on some levels, but you mm-hmm. you, you push yourself and you do it, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think we can all learn from that in, the, in different ways in our own lives.
1: One hundred percent, yeah.
0: If you're enjoying this one, um, as you heard Felix say, he was he was living in London, influenced by the dubstep scene out there. Um, I have an early interview with Casper and Rusko, who are two of the, the leaders in, in that scene coming out of London, uh, great interview on uh, right as they were reuniting, I think they might have broken up again, or maybe they just got back together for one tour, but, um, but they talk about their partnership and kind of the, the history of dubstep and, and how, how all that came about, so after you finish up here, go back and listen to that one. um shift gears uh i know you're also uh, a mercedes ambassador um yeah <laughs> and I'm, I'm good friends with uh, a lot of the mercedes folks I've, i worked with um lincoln park a few years ago to do their oh, brand no. ambassador deal as well um so uh so i'm i'm pretty familiar with with the you know what the brand is all about but i'm curious you know what drew you to them and what what do you how do you think about brand partnerships what do you look for what made you you know what makes you decide to say yes to something and and mm-hmm, what, and what mm-hmm. do you want out of those relationships
1: i don't do a lot of them because if i do them i want them to be long term i think that's one of the most important things to me that it's not just yeah. a brand paying me money to do one campaign and posting it on my channels and then Ciao, ciao, you know, for sure. me it's important yeah. that it's like a long-term partnership. I've been with Mercedes for four years now, and we've been doing all kinds of stuff together. Um, what I also like about them is that they obviously have a huge network of people from like all fields. They do like brand ambassador days sometimes, and mm-hmm. um, for example I met David uh, McNamara, um, uh, Garrett McNamara, sorry, who is like one of the best like big wave surfers in the world and it's like you meet so many interesting people through them and they shape like this community of people that like all have like a passion for something you know and I think that's really cool and then of course like I was also inclined to work with them because it's a German brand. I think it's kind of cool. (laughs) Of course. There's like somebody else, like in the car world, we're like one of the biggest manufacturers, obviously. So it's like from Germany to the world. Sure. So it felt like it's a great fit with my brand as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, And then currently I'm working with them for the EQC, which is their first um, ever, like fully electric Mercedes-Benz car. Oh, nice. And I'm just kind of, hoping that they will shape the future as well and move like mobility to the next level. Yeah. Um, And at the moment, at least I'm, I don't think the technology is perfect yet, Mm -hmm. but I think like the electric cars seems to be like the way to go right now.
0: Absolutely. No, I love that. I mean, first I love, you know, what you said that, you know, I think brands should be focused on building community and, you know, Mm -hmm. and music is so, you know, music, universally brings people together right and, and that's that's where i think brands fit in and that's why it's that's why it's beneficial to mercedes-benz to to work with you right mm-hmm. is because of that and and i think a lot of times as you said you know brands they miss that right they see mm-hmm. they see a dj or an artist as a media channel and we're going to get some instagram yeah. shots out of it and that's com i think that's a complete waste um yeah for sure yeah um I also think you know this year is really interesting when there's there's no touring at the moment. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. I don't know what uh, what the word is in Germany out here. It looks you know doubtful that there will be touring at all this year potentially. Yeah, same. Yeah, um, at least we don't at least we don't know, and so I, you know I think um, you know the the conversation around music is shifting to well you know, what else, what else should we be doing? It sounds like you're making use of the time being creative at home. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm just trying, like, to be in the studio as much as possible. And I'm also doing weekly live streams on my Instagram channel. Cool. Playing DJ sets for my fans at home. Nice. Which is kind of cool. Like, it's giving me, like, it's making it feel more normal for me because I have, like, a show day. Yeah. You know, I can actually put on some nice clothes (laughs) and get ready and and perform for the fans. And then afterwards, I talk with them on live. And I'm like, this, like, actually feels like a show now.
0: Yeah. Do you like that? Do you like the... The sort of that at home interaction yeah. with fans
1: yeah I really like it like it's obviously not the same as playing a concert and yeah. meeting them in real life but I think it's amazing and I'm also really proud of all the artists like taking their time to do that because there's so many people live now all the time on Instagram keeping everybody entertained and connected That yeah. I think like it's amazing It's it's what we can do now you know I was thinking like what can I as an artist do in this time and obviously I can try to use my range and money to support charity and everybody who can should do that. But in the meantime, like I'm an artist, I do music. So I need to, I feel like I need to share the music and I need to share the vibes. Usually people are going to the clubs on the weekends. They can't do that now. So let's bring the music home, you know, Mm -hmm. and let's, let's play some sets for people at home to enjoy. Um, So I think that's really cool that so many people are doing that right now.
0: Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think it's, it's, uh, you know these these are times when we need we need music more than ever, and we need the mm-hmm. connection with other human beings more than ever. And so, you know, I love seeing seeing artists. You know, I think it's I think it's good for them and it's good for their fans.
1: Yeah, um, for sure.
0: Yeah. What? So I know you have the Sicko, uh, your remix coming up. Mm-hmm. What else are you working on? And what's what's exciting to you right now?
1: um finishing up my second studio album the songs are all written and i already know like which songs gonna end up on the album yeah and now i just need to tweak some some productions i actually was kind of interesting because i already had the album done pretty much like end of last year Mm song-wise i had like a concept ready and i went on my vacation i was like okay when i come back i'm just going to finish it up and then we're ready to go
0: (laughs) nice
1: um but then like I had this eight weeks break and I went to the monastery and everything kind of changed for me. Yeah. So I was in L.A. in February for two weeks and I wrote a couple of more songs <laughs> because I now included some happy songs on the album too. Nice. There are some songs that are now like about enjoying the moment and like living freely and happy in the now and, and all of that. Yeah. So um, the album that was already done actually made a really interesting turn <laughs> this year, and now I need to piece it back together and kind of incorporate the new songs into the album.
0: Nice. Um, so, so what's your what's your routine like? How do you how are you incorporating some of the the experiences from the monastery or the the uh, hypnotherapy? Like, do those become is that like a one-time thing and you sort of leave it behind you or, or do those become part of everyday life?
1: My, the meditation became a part of everyday life yeah. and also I think some of the basic like core principles of the, of the teachings. Like I try to um, let go a lot. I mm. try to not have expectations and preferences and all of that and just be like, just go with the flow and understand that I can never control what's going to happen around me. There's always going to be ups and downs. I can only control how I feel in those situations. Mm. And I just try to like maintain being mindful and happy, um, in every moment. And that's kind of like keeping me busy already because I, I I notice, of course, when I'm working more again, when I'm more on social media, like I get distracted easily because sure. there's so much input right. coming at me all the time. So I always try to monitor myself. <laughs> yeah. And um, when I notice like that my mind is running off again, I like, I bring myself back. I immediately do some, to like take some deep breaths, yeah. uh, do a little exercise. Um. And that's like, I kind of forgot what the question was initially. No, no, that's but great. That kind no. Of what I, how I included it into my everyday life. I exactly. think that was it, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, that's great. Well, I know it's getting late out there, and I want to be respectful of your nighttime. No, uh, it's okay. Your uh, all good, man. Um, <laughs> no, but I
1: love it. <laughs> cool.
0: Well, I want to do a quick lightning round before I let you go. Um, so, what's your favorite city to travel to?
1: Uh, wow if I only can choose one right now it would be LA
0: <laughs> okay nice um, who's your favorite DJ uh,
1: skill wise on the decks it's James Hype right now for sure he's killing it like if you didn't see him DJ yet check it out on YouTube it's crazy he's like on four decks all the time Wow! throwing in acapellas mixing super fast and he's doing that for two hours nonstop. Nice. so it's crazy
0: very cool What's the last great book you read?
1: The last great book I read. I actually have it right here. <laughs> it's by Tisnatan. Oh, yeah. Friede, äußere Friede. That's the German version. So it's like inner peace, outer peace. Basically, it says if you're peaceful inside, you're going to like live a peaceful life on the outside as well.
0: Awesome. Love it. Um, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one
1: quality or ability, what would it be? Flying, yeah. <laughs> I think flying would be dope. That'd be cool. <laughs> I love the birds, you know. Just, I don't know, no boundaries.
0: Amazing. Um, and last one: if, if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over?
1: Um, it's not perfect yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. This is fun. Uh, yeah
1: I loved it man thank yeah. you so much
0: how, uh, how should everybody find you online
1: uh, at Felix Yane on our channel it's Felix J-A-E-H-N
0: awesome and um, yeah good stuff man I hope to meet you one day in LA when you when you come out here and really yeah, appreciate man. you Thanks making too. time awesome hey that was Felix Yane on Rebel Radio I hope you enjoyed it I know I did make sure you hit us on Twitter or Facebook with a comment Um, You can find us at Rebel Radio Net. You can always leave a review on iTunes if you want. We might read it. We probably won't. But uh, go ahead and express yourself. Why not? Most, Most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.